Hello everybody, we're going to delve further with none other than former NRG observer, coach, potentially Korean-speaking <laughs> enthusiast. We're a little ahead of ourselves, but yes. Simus, <laughs> how you doing? Hopefully, Good, man. Uh, like I told you, I just got done uh, playing some competitive Overwatch. My PC crashed, so I lost some 50 SR. So I'm great. It's it's No, it's, it's been a good day. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear it because, you know, uh, the scene's been kind of going through some some strange times. Mm -hmm. And you've been kind of with it nearly from the beginning, I would say. Like, if not day one, week one for sure. Mm -hmm. you, you've, you've been a man of many hats. Um, yes. And you have quite a history with Overwatch. Um, but I want to start kind of near the beginning um if if this is the beginning and, and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong um now doing the research i i found you tied to mlg vegas and observer and you actually corrected me and said that you also did world cup um we'll get into uh some of the more topical things with observing and uh kind mm -hmm. of leading that but you know, kind of talk to me about, uh, you know, MLG and, and World Cup and what were your experiences and, uh, you know, what maybe you might like to see observing look like in the future. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to touch on like the day one, sort of week one, sure. I, the, I was pretty involved in the League of Legends scene for mm. Overwatch. Um, as soon as the video came out, I think it was like BlizzCon 2014 for mm -hmm. like the Overwatch premiere, you know, with like the punch kit and the Doofus yeah. gauntlet and everything. Uh, that was like instantly day one. I subscribed to R slash Overwatch, like, <laughs> and I was um, coming off of League of Legends. I was I really liked that game, but I was sort of hoping like maybe Overwatch like a little bit more fertile ground because I sort of was climbing up caster ranks and I was really interested in caster. But mm. um, there's a lot more saturation competition, and it was you know. Uh, anyway, um, so I started. Seems start. I did some work through Tespa which is the collegiate Blizzard branch, essentially. Right. Um, and while I was playing in the closed beta, which I got into through a test bug contact. Um, thanks, Logan. Uh, and I organized like a little collegiate tournament, which eventually became like a little produced tournament that we like hosted something at DreamHack. It was like an online thing, so it's really small. But that got me in touch with uh, Trevor from the Blizzard team, uh, Rachel Seltzer-Querico, who's... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, she's obviously been like on the world cup uh, stage um and that got me in the conversation uh as someone who knows about the game because i was like playing on really crappy teams or like sort of part-time analyzing for a team too mm. uh and eventually i don't even remember how it happened but i be was hired as the lead observer um through yellow light which is one of the companies that blizzard was working with um and worked at the Overwatch World Cup 2016, and then was hired for MLG Vegas as well, which is where I met Chris Bucket and a bunch of other cool people. Um, so observing at that time, like we had way less tools. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what the tools are now, but <laughs> observing at that time was like super, super rough because remember, you didn't have the free cam HP bars. Sure. Uh, you The game itself was much... Um, the game itself was much less defined. Hmm. So, especially before the Overwatch League days in a tournament like MLG Vegas, like teams were at totally different levels. Like you had Rise Nation, like all the way up to freaking like the phase versus uh, 
MV finals. And and because the team difference and skill and the and the meta, like it was a really sort of wild west period for observing, which was pretty fun too, because we can I swear on this? Like do you yeah, no, no. uh, we gotta do a lot of cool shit and like just experiment <laughs> with stuff and like there was a lot of feedback being pinged back and forth between the observers, you know, some some healthy shouting sessions like asking Blizzard like as the client, like what do they want? Mm. How how do we want the game to to grow, so to speak? Um so yeah, that was really fun, although it was really tough, obviously, because in MLG Vegas, for example, our venue was shared with Call of Duty, so it was super, super loud. Mm. Uh, it was freezing, but every venue is freezing, so yeah. that's not a huge deal. Uh, in the Overwatch World Cup, we had six observers, and we had 18 machines total, so we had 12 bot cameras for the first person's perspective for everyone. And like MLG Vegas, it was like four-man team, one of whom never did Overwatch before, and... Mm. None of us knew. Everyone else had worked on the Overwatch World Cup previously. Right. Uh, it was pretty crazy. And I mean, uh, at, I, I met Imagine and Dashner working at the Overwatch World Cup. Um, sort of around the same time, I was also working parallel as a coach. Uh, and that's when I met um, Alchemist, uh, Alchemister Jason at uh, E-League. So... Pretty pretty early on, as far as like the production side of Overwatch is concerned, I I met a lot of those guys who are still my friends and still like contacts and still um, most of them no longer involved in Overwatch, but still sort of in the public eye. If that makes sense, right? Now you you like you said you you've worked those events and it was you know kind of mm-hmm. crazy and it felt like World Cup was you know the first big push forward in terms of really trying to figure out the game like you mentioned there was you know numerous machines tons of observers mm-hmm. um kind of and this is a big question so you know take from this or do what with this uh, what you can but coming from world cup and now you know we're in 2018 we're looking at season two of overwatch league in, in a few months hopefully um you know what what are some things that you still kind of want to see done with observing is there is there fixed camera positions that you really want to see is there you know something that you just kind of irks you like as someone who has experience with this what what would you do to add to this um so personally i've got dream goals which either due to me talking to someone or just seeing the writing on the wall i don't expect to happen i also have like reasonable expectations for like some things that might happen um dream goal of mine for example Mm. and i have from day one said this, it's very, very likely never going to happen, is <laughs> having an asymmetrical UI where the HP bars of the teams are both on the left, center, mm-hmm. or the right side of the screen. So it's much easier to compare, and you do it by rule, too. So, like, you have both Reinhardts, like, right on top of each other. It's so much easier to see the okay. HP bars and, like, to understand what's going on in the game. Um, this was, like, also asked before FreeCam and FreeCam hp bars so it's not as important now and the reason why it essentially is not going to happen is because uh at least from my understanding was that blizzard wants the 12 players in their seats to to be lined up symmetrically right because they're Mm. on the opposite sides of the stage right um but i actually think it's really important i think uh if you look at sports like soccer for example will have the scores in the top left you can put like the payload progress and like the objectives um on the right side and then you can have like in the middle, you can have the time and, and the general objectives that are still there. Um, and just in general, like UI tweaks that are customizable is something that I'm 
really not sure if Blizzard is gonna, ever going to implement besides just in-house work, but I think it could be really helpful. Like, take the HP bars from the bottom left, stick it next to the ult charge, you know, don't have it in three separate ways, and then all... Um, condensing that information would be much, much simpler to understand. However, it's also a matter of that's very different from the, how the game is actually presented when you're playing, sure. uh, which is why I can understand that's why Blizzard said that they weren't or aren't particularly interested uh, from what that seems. However, like things that seem reasonable, um, map callouts. So pro players will oftentimes use, like there's a couple of callouts. It's like left, right, <laughs> like main um it'd be nice and if you notice actually blizzard it was actually pretty cool talking to jeff kaplan about this they intentionally had a lot of things named for example hotel in king's row is like aldersworth hotel or something mm. um uh and and he was talking to me he he said that it was like almost old wow process where everything that was like a building itself had like a different name and so they didn't actually make specific callouts like a game like counter-strike has sure uh, but they plan to have those callouts, um, or at least they wanted like the, the competitive scene to like have an, a small idea. But th because there was no ever like very official, standard, homogenized, published list, uh, it's that's something that I think sh could easily be remedied, or, or the community itself. And I remember like way back in the day, yeah. um, Captain Planet tried to sort of come up and like spo. Yeah. You know who that yes. is, like try to come up with these call-outs. It's not as important as it is in Counter-Strike, but it's still, like, much simpler to understand if, you know, like, this back corner of the first point in Dorado, like, just call it some random mega... Or closet or, or something. Or, yeah, or, yeah. or have, like, a real thing. Like, set up a camera on closet because, you know, the trace is going for a really exactly. cool flank. Um, I think that's not an unreasonable thing that would probably help observing a lot. Um, colors was a phenomenal, phenomenal thing to implement. I'm glad they finally did. Mm. Um... Yeah, I think the UI itself is like... So the implementation of replays and the way the replay system works, which is also... Uh, obviously needs some tweaking, and I haven't been working with Blizzard on observing in over a year, so I don't know where it is, but like right. those are all really good changes. And for me personally, like I would like to see like a little bit more liberal experimenting with the UI. Mm. Um, that's like the... Those are the two things I would say, is like UI and callouts probably to... One of the their of, other games sort of. that kind of has a a UI that I think would work well in mm -hmm. in Overwatch is is kind of the competitive WoW scene where they take hmm. very important um, yeah. cooldowns and they show them to the audience and say, okay, this is either on cooldown or it's not, and it's you you it, you could use it or you know it at least gives that that message to the viewer and says, you know, th these are yeah, the that... tools that the players have and these are the tools they don't have. That's a really good point. I think the standard, like the standard observing the layout of the standard, the way that the game is observed is mm -hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I think like, there's no reason not to like try doing new things. You'll uh, like the, the having cooldowns highlighted, having like hero swaps, like, like kind of sure flash out. Um, I think it was MLG Vegas, which did something really, really cool. Although it didn't show up on stream live, you saw the hero portraits behind it. It's probably like this in the Overwatch uh, League studio. Now I think about this too. Yeah. You see, like the Overwatch, like the character the will change when they swap. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it's like, duh. Um, but that's still harder to see on stream. And obviously, there's mm. hundreds of thousands, millions of people watching on stream. So that that could be something they could work on. Um, and just like 
iterate like something something i will personally refer to a lot because it's the game the esport that i started with was sure. league of legends is that it's been eight years into league of legends and they're still iterating like showing like timers for inhibitors like timers for big ultimates mm -hmm. um the statistics could be worked on as well like be more interesting like um ultimate pacing for example like there's a really really cool economical game that exists in overwatch that is very hard to see mm -hmm. uh, that's less observing though and more like presentation of yes of game mechanic right uh, yeah it's i mean we can talk about nice. that though yeah we can um i mean one of the nice things about a young game uh is that there's like it's like a creative process of like what's more important you know mm -hmm. um like heat maps heat maps sure. of locations that t teams will take on their routes that is something that i oh my goodness that would be so cool to see because like not only would that be cool to see, but it's also really important for analytical assessment, actually. Mm -hmm. Because if you notice that the London Spitfire have won King's Row 9 out of 10 times in the past season, but 7 out of 10 times they take the... Not the same fight, like not the same opening strap, but like the same initial route or their pathing is similar. You can start to recognize patterns, which... Uh, and just like the, the more patterns exist and the, the or patterns exist but the more patterns are recognizable exactly uh the more understanding we have of the game the more understanding we have of the game the higher the gameplay is the higher the enjoyment as well um yeah like the, the better the sport as a competition the more enjoyable it is to watch from top to bottom although one of the focuses right now because there's still so much to figure out on what they want overwatch to be is still like how do we present it uh as i don't want to use the word casual but like for a new viewer how do we present it as simply as possible sure. and definitely the game has a lot of challenges in that it has multiple different levels it has multiple different types of you know heroes mm. uh it's not as simple as watching a game like counter-strike or watching a game like league of legends or probably literally any esport in the game like in the world in terms of how many different not 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 like how different the game is because if you watch starcraft for the first time you have no idea what's going oh, of course, on yeah. other than armors That's... but like how <laughs> many challenges specifically and how the map layout and the game is played make it very difficult to observe um and it's probably likely too that people don't really give servers he was like i'm patting myself on the back retroactively like but that's probably something that people don't give observers enough credit for is how nutty it is to actually observe this game I, that's one thing that I do have to kind of give all the observers out there, whether you're amateur, whether you're, you know, the topest tier professional. Um, and maybe, maybe you, you, you'll disagree with me here, but I think this is probably one of the hardest games to observe and you're going oh, yeah. to miss things sometimes, you know, I, I yep. think with a game, this fast paced with all, with, with abilities that are so impactful, it's like, okay, well, what do we watch? Do we watch an earth shatter or do we watch an on Well, right. both of them could win a fight. Dude, that's the thing that like, and this is this is a big thing. You see this in you see this in other games as well. A sure. lot of again, a lot of my references are just gonna be other games because that's perfectly fine. Th those models exist. Like, why not learn from them? Of course. Um, who was it? It was Steel, right? Mm. Uh, Steel. There's a I don't know if you follow Counter Strike, but yeah, there's a thread bit. on R slash Global Offensive. Uh, Steel, a former player who was banned for the whole skin fiasco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was undoubtedly the best observer across multiple productions that the game had seen. It was evidenced by the fact that the that he saw more frags before they happened, and then mm. they caught them in first-person camera. Um, 
Sleggy, who's actually someone who worked on the Overwatch World Cup 
you need to really have a balance. It's like balancing mm -hmm. an actual team of players. Some players can have specialized skill in this, and some players should have specialized skill in that. And you can't actually rely on one person, um, like the whole team. And uh, Overwatch is absolutely a team sport to observe because observing with one person is actually easier than observing with two or three. But if you have a team of four plus with a, like a lead observer who's not actually observing anything but calling out things, sure. it's it's much better. But if you don't have synergy, then it's just going to look awful. Um, yeah, observing this game, man, it's, it's been in like an actual while since I've really like thought about it, but it is... It is quite a wild ride. I I can't imagine, you know, some of the the amateur kind of broadcast GG people out there. Yeah, um, they I are can't. nuts. Like, I I got to give hats off to them because it makes that game watchable, and it's yeah. a one man crew most of the time. And yeah, you know, and God bless them. They they hit really cool things that like back in the day, like we thought about, like the nano transition to, uh, Genji Blade. Sure, like that looks cool as shit. But that's actually. I don't want to take away from them because the amount of work they're putting. <laughs> yeah. That's actually easier to do with one person mm -hmm. because before before we thought about what if we cut it to two people, that was awful. Mm -hmm. um, and the system we had in place for 2016 and basically throughout all of 2016 was we had uh, two first-person cameras, two free cams, and they always did on the red or blue side. Uh, and, and between that, like they basically have sort of free reign, um, which makes things a lot more simple. Um mm -hmm. But there's also a higher chance of missing things. Sure. Uh, but yeah, broadcast GG. I mean, just we'll probably talk about them a couple of times throughout this. Yeah, probably interview. I think because they're fucking phenomenal and yeah. you know all crap. They're keep on doing doing. Yeah, that's amazing. They're doing a great job. But I, I, I you touched on a, a really important point there. Um, kind of explaining this game to the general audience is is something mm -hmm. that I think um, we as a community have struggled doing mm -hmm. whether it's definition of composition like names themselves whether it's call outs whether it's just you know what are we what is this team trying to do what are they actually doing and what is right what is the enemy team doing to counter it um when it comes to the broadcast um obviously there needs to be entertainment but would you mm -hmm. would you looking into the future for overwatch so big picture mm -hmm. would you want the desk to be more um analysis focused to be able to better explain is there shoulder content that needs to be made to better explain to you know fans and, and viewers what's really happening so either they can appreciate it better or at least they can understand what's going on is that something mm. that needs to happen do you think uh no with a caveat okay sure uh the caveat is so the caveat is that the general audience who are less either because they're inexperienced in the game mm. or they're just not particularly good. Um, the general audience is going to outnumber the more focused competitive audience. That okay. is always going to be the case. That's the case in every sport. It's, yeah. just, it just, it's just how these things work out. Right, exactly. Um, sure. The competitive audience is more uh, obviously passionate uh, and tend to be very vocal as well. Uh, and for that reason, there should be shoulder content. However, mm. it should not be the main show. Okay. Uh, and what I mean is shoulder content in terms of, like, let's say you have the Dota system where players can go in and watch from any perspective. That, mm. I don't, that I guess it's not an observing thing. I don't know why I didn't bring it up, though. That's like 100%, like, why not just implement that? Sure. Like, that is, that placates... 
not everything, but that placates a huge amount of analytical uh, interest and information. Mm-hmm. Or having multiple streams. This is something that Riot Games did with League of Legends. You don't have to do it all the time, but like, you know, what if you had pro players uh, casting on a secondary stream, which is designed to be completely like, imagine if like Jake and ZP or, or like Jake and, you know, like Jake, ZP, and who's a super? We'll just super. Like, Two two vocal guys, two smart guys, sure. two guys who present themselves well with a caster to lead the to be the host, and like they're watching the game while a group of other casters are wa- doing the primary broadcast, casting over that. But like Super and Co. Um, are the main focus for people who want to, you know, see that extra content, or like mm-hmm. you could even have like a PC for them to just if they wanted to take over the observing and just highlight a certain thing, like go for it. Uh, that kind of shoulder content absolutely should exist, but it shouldn't come, like maybe I didn't understand your question correctly, but like sure. it shouldn't come at the cost of the more general content. Okay. Uh, you, you can balance it and balancing it is really important. Um, and I will absolutely agree that competitive right now is being less focused on because there's less of us, Right. Sure. Um, but the game, Kind of just goes back to what I was saying before. Like the the better the game becomes, mm. the higher the quality of the matches, the more entertainment. Maybe you don't exactly feel it because you're new to the game, but like mm-hmm. it's definitely there. So kind of how would you? No, no, no. It, it definitely uh, puts me. It, it leads into the next question very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would you agree that I think, or would you agree that? we have an issue in the scene as a whole, whether you're casual, whether you're hardcore, you know, wherever you fall between that spectrum, would mm-hmm. you agree that there's a, an issue with understanding it or, or is that a non-issue in the sense that it doesn't really matter as long as people are having fun watching? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I know, big. It's 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 a strange question. It's it's a loaded question in the sense that like, if people are having fun, good. But how do you measure how much that's, fun they're that's, having? That's fair. Like, I, and, and I didn't mean it to, it to come across as a loaded question. No, I mean it, it, it's typically like individual viewer differences. Like I don't, you know, personally, I don't give a fuck if Uber <laughs> is talking about oh this is this is goat. I mean, this is three three. Like right. this is tank. Like I know that. Like. My little sister knows that at this point. Like, I, I don't want that information. What I want to see is specifically how this one Lucille player consistently mm-hmm. has, like, 20% extra damage, but he still has the same healing amount because mm-hmm. he's mind-bogglingly phenomenal at that one hero. That's... And the thing with Overwatch is there's a bajillion. There's so many variables. Like, mm-hmm. A, we can't see them. B, how do you parse which one is more important than others? That's true. That's true. Um, It's... It's like a really tough situation because in an idealistic world, uh, the thing I was discussing that Riot Games did before, they, exactly. I don't even think they do that often because it costs so much money. Right. It, it's and it, and it splits the viewership. It doesn't cannibalize it necessarily. Um, but yeah, you probably you probably like use it in very certain scenarios because Dota 2, which I don't actually f- follow except for the international, so correct me if you know if I'm wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, not for any of their majors, but like... For the international, uh, they had the noob, the noob stream, right, and the or excuse me, the beginning players stream, yeah. <laughs> and the more experienced players. Um, and Dota is a game that caters very much to the high level players, which mm-hmm. I 
fur and i think you could absolutely you know trickle down metagame but it does come at the cost of a huge amount of the general audience who are just completely alienated because they have no idea what the goats comp is and i don't three three and i don't blame them uh because i spend essentially all of my all of my waking moments thinking about this game or or, or learning about it mm. um but it does come at a cost and and that's figuring fair. out like how exactly you balance that and, and is it worth it and that's something that blizzard i'm sure is thinking about but i would definitely say that they're leaning more towards casual right now mm. if they don't start branching out opportunities for the competitive side i mean the, we're already like complaining about a shit ton of stuff which is a completely separate issue but if over the next few years the next seasons whatever they don't start branching out then it's going to be pretty disappointing and i do think their viewership is going to suffer mm. yeah that makes a lot of sense when you know because you're so experienced on the broadcasting side you know i, I try not to to harp on this too too much i, I do want to get into some of your history and mm -hmm. and you know if, if we need sure. to we, we definitely do episode two because there's there's questions that i have um and, and stories that i'm sure you have to share but one last thing with the broadcast mm -hmm. you you mentioned the backroom team itself um and that's what they are you know, if mm -hmm. it's two people, if it's four people, you all kind of have to work in tandem and, and, and maybe there's a leader. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a space for former players back there to kind of help or, or a liaison to help teach or, you know, the game. Is, yeah, not, not maybe not teach the game itself, but maybe even to fill in, you know, if um, maybe if super reinforce, you know, maybe want to move and they want to change the positions. And you know, uh... is there is there a space in the back room for them? Would you? Maybe I no, I would never leak that volumel, but I absolutely I absolutely their space. Uh, the question is, will they want to do that? Sure, of course. Because in my mind, in terms of what I would rather do full time, like that's fair. Working working in the game, I want to do regardless. <laughs> um, but would I rather be working as a produce uh, producer, like an observing mm. lead, versus being a janitor at Blizzard? Well, I'd I'd rather do this, and that's a bit of an extreme example, but yeah, that's, uh, no, I, I understand. And but that's why I was saying before, like having a player be the absolute lead guy until their production stuff, and it's not that much information, but it's definitely a couple thousand hours of practice sure. is comparatively good enough to other guys. They probably shouldn't be like in the lead chair. Sure, of course. Um, but yeah, the pro players know more about the game. Like that's. Mm. Absolutely, and if a pro player wanted to make that transition, that'd certainly be unique, and I absolutely think Blizzard would embrace them. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Now, obviously, again, I, I iterated this uh, at the beginning of the show. Um, you are a man of, of many, many hats. You are, a, mm -hmm. you know, a, a, a former player, former coach for multiple teams, Method NRG. Um, now you're kind of pursuing the, you know, the path to pro dream, as uh, mm -hmm. you could call it. Um, but let's start, let's start back at method. Um, okay. how, what was that like? What was, what was method like? I know line pro, I believe was on that team. You know, what, some of the stories, some of the, the more interesting happenings and in method at the time, the method, the method squad that I worked with for, we were originally, okay. So this is, this is beta, uh, summer of 2016. I think we were one shot initially, okay. which was managed by potent beast. Um, the team mm -hmm. was main support, flex support, psycho waffle, Rolf uh dps we kind of like we had a guy called dot but like it was ultimate web snow is what the people who are, have been around for a long mm -hmm. time will remember and then tanks were chronic 
XE, main tank, flex tank. Um, that group was, that was cool as shit, man. Like that was, because <laughs> we were all just like dudes who were all like kind of idiots and also like butted heads a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But like, even though like we, like, it was a weird situation where everyone was open with each other about the things they didn't like about the other person uh okay. that it like came together really really well um because we our our fairy tale run which really wasn't a run but we beat uh who did we beat cloud nine and we almost beat fanatic although they got to ban our cough maps which otherwise we could have won it and gone to the playoffs uh but we went to e-league obviously we beat cloud nine the first time we took fanatic to if i'm not mistaken like the last map um and then we lost to cloud nine again after again they banned all our cough maps mm. uh without going into too much detail about what exactly happened the week prior the week prior we basically got absolutely crushed in nearly every screen wow nearly every single one um we were conveniently we were right next to misfits because we were boot camping in the same place and we were boot camping in a like a bar which i mean shout outs to battle and brew in atlanta they were pretty cool um but the, it was kind of a kind of i'm not gonna say it, tough. it was a tough place to to, to boot camp in fair enough um because uh but we learned a ton from misfits who eventually became the champions mm -hmm. and all the pressure like because we've been with each other for about four months we've had some serious problems we almost didn't qualify because one of our players who was the captain didn't actually sign us up for the third week of oh no gameplay the dude like it was like this the 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 one shot slash method story deserves its own like <laughs> netflix miniseries in terms of how stupid but like like not not in a bad way like i'm nostalgic about it because everything kind of worked out and and all of them are my homies mm. um but it was just silly that it all came together because sort of the last few days going before the tournament, it's like, fuck it. Like, let's just have a good time. Like, no expectation. Uh, and that really worked out well because our players individually were, like, pretty strong. We had three of the top ten spots at the end of Season 1. Mm. Um, we had a really, really good idea of what meta we wanted to play then. Uh, one of our players was from Brazil. He he was homesick at the time, but like after a week of playing on good ping and everything, like everything kind of clicked together. Uh, and basically after after that, um, after the E League uh, showing, I was in late summer was when I was getting contacted and hired for like the Overwatch World Cup, for example. So that's when I departed from Method. Mm. Um, but yeah, those four or five months, man, that was. Uh, that was a cool time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so you so you went from method to observing, doing some back end work, and then NRG, or was there something? Uh, I was I was on Tempo Storm for a brief amount okay. of time. The interesting lesson that I learned, uh, which initially, like a lot of mistakes, I guess for everyone are like pride based, but like and something that something that I noticed between when I was working with method because mm -hmm. I was essentially signed as a coach, but I was an analyst. I wasn't, okay. if you, if you think of the traditional like coach perspective that a Korean team has, that is not what I was for method. And that would have been pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but for my personal history, I definitely have like a lot of like disciplinarian sort of focused, um, authoritative. Like a, yeah. Like a really authoritative upbringing, sure. which definitely has some benefits, but it also has negatives in the sense that a lot of the, I was with Tempo Storm for about two months. A lot of the things that I wanted to implement were, in a hindsight, and and or sorry, during the time, were like good ideas. 
like I was an absolute dick. Like I wasn't handling things well. Hmm. Um, and there are some pretty good players. I mean, overall, it was not as like I, I got out of Dodge for a couple of other reasons that I'd rather not discuss. Because that's uh, perfectly fine. You know, ten years from now, if ever like an autobiography or whatever, it'll come out. But um, <laughs> basically, like there there was some good talent. The Keller, who was recently playing for Optic Academy GGA, mm. was really good. Hui, who's been around for a while, is a good player, and Mini. Uh, who's now Boston's Uprising yeah. coach. Um, those were actually, Huey and Mini were people I had worked with like in the beta phase when I was playing for like a month and then analyzing. Because mm. uh, I went from analyzing their team to one shot and then that's sort of how everything got picked up. Mm. Um, yeah, I was I was with Tempo Storm for a little bit. Uh, we didn't have particularly good results and I felt like things were, there were definitely some issues there. Um, so I left and was just kind of chilling because I mean, this is, I've been wanting to, I've been dreaming of working esports for a couple of years now. Um, especially as like my personal life and back at home and like in school, I was like really struggling, mm -hmm. but that was like the first six to nine month period where all of a sudden, like I've like found success and I actually like money at this point, like not a lot, but I, I can pay my own bills sure. and, I, and I'm doing well. Uh, and then from Tempo Storm. Then I went to energy for okay. four or five. Kind of same question with method, you know, I, I mm -hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I want to say that you spent more time with NRG. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the names that we still kind of hear and talk about, you know, IDDQD, you know, a lot of really talented players. Um, I think I'd be remiss in not asking. Well, well okay. Before I get into that, you know, um, just, just highlights, general synopsis of uh, the, the chapter that was NRG. So energy actually had, for entirely different reasons, but a similar problem to Tempo Storm, which was the team never finished. We never had a six-man team, mm. and especially at the time, that is, and even now, but like that is so important. Like Overwatch is such a, um, e even at this point in 2018, and probably not for a very long time, people don't have like the perfect idea of how the game should be played. Mm. So actually, having a team that develops over time is super important. One of the best North American teams was Immortals and they were Sodi Pop for a while. Immortals got crushed for months. Like they get bottomed out in E-League. They absolutely destroyed. And this is pre-Korean days too. They didn't pick mm -hmm. up Vader or whoever. Like this was a grim reality squad. Yeah. Um, over time, they got really, really good. And then they came into contenders with a couple of huge upgrades and then they became even better. Um, both of these teams I worked with never had the time to develop and energy it was really unfortunate timing was initially like the moment i joined uh seagull left which mm -hmm. i don't blame him for um and he and he essentially left for like the same reasons like that he retired and i i kind of figured that it was coming like he definitely enjoys competition but he also had a really really good thing going because he was the initial streamer yeah. in terms of huge exposure um but he left nearly instantly uh an underrated but actually super significant change that hurt one player specifically was the Lucio change. So the 30 to 10 meters. Mm -hmm. And that put Ajax at a really bad spot because this is something that I will absolutely say he was a super good emotional leader and he came up with strategies. He was at the time not a particularly strong player. Mm -hmm. And especially because the intensity and the difference in Lucio style hurt him individually as a player. Um, but we, after we lost Siegel, we had that one tournament uh, with Mendo that we were playing for a little bit. He, he was really interesting interesting prospect. Uh, he fizzled out for contract reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and then 
that's when people like i would say there's like three different phases in my mind of like how energy exactly was like just chronologically speaking but that's when things started really being an issue because ajax wasn't performing well uh everyone wanted to have a six-man roster you're about to see my cat but oh hello cat Uh, go away uh (laughs) and and that's when things there were definitely high moments afterwards um but it, it put us in a really bad position that seagull who was definitely the person that the team was built around left mm. and then ajax um had a tougher time and then yeah that then dummy got a ton, ajax and dummy got a ton of shit which criticism before every tournament match we had i think three four uh, before every tournament match i told the players not to read the criticism they're gonna see because yeah. that because criticism like reddit isn't real life no. neither is twitter even if the people know what they're talking about and even if you played like garbage like who cares like your your job is to be as good as possible and this is i'm being a little bit hypocritical because i have my own anxiety issues but like it's better to almost be a little bit delusional and always come in with confidence and being able to learn from mistakes as opposed to saying, holy shit, I lost this tournament or I had this terrible performance, my career is over. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ajax and Dummy got so much shit, man, that their their mentality dipped. Uh, Dummy's my roommate now. He's told me this. This isn't... I don't think he's ever like explicitly said this, so I don't know. I hope he doesn't like feel bad I'm saying this. He stopped playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was even a time when we told him, look, man, like you're on thin ice. We're were really disappointed that you're not playing and he didn't he just kept not playing so then like two weeks later he got cut and all of a sudden i came into a position where i was going to coach this team uh with six players and like a month into it a month and a half we got down to three um things did not really pick up from there mm. so if you want i can keep going or i don't know if you have specific questions about the situation not but. necessarily it was more just you know taking a look at each of these chapters and and just from delving a little you know I- explaining and elaborating on that a little bit more it you know it sure. definitely answers a lot more or adds more context to uh the the troubles that energy had you know it, it seemed like you know from what you were explaining um it, an issue of just finding the right mix and it just you know just never really panned out is that would you yep. kind of agree with that yeah um and and the there was so much confusion at the time uh in terms of like the players at this point are obviously pretty worried because initially they Mm. essentially banded up and saying like we're not gonna like find us a sixth player like give us the sixth player the tournament we played with mendo wasn't actually that bad although we lost uh uh our scrims were actually going decently but we weren't sort of expecting to be instantly super good sure. uh and, and it took at this at the time it took teams like a month or two to develop i think the only like miracle team was like fnr gfe or something that <laughs> met like in a week and was really good yeah um you could say that shoes money crew is similar but that's in terms of the level of competition that was so much higher at the time mm-hmm. like the the players were much the players overall were better but like the competition was much fiercer because that was the premier tw- um and then it got into super weird territory where IDDQD, Numlocked, and Harblue were uncertain about their status. We had a bunch of different things. We were we were saying like, okay, the Overwatch League is going to have subs. We don't even know if we're in the Overwatch League. Eventually, we knew we were in the Overwatch League for sure. And that's another thing that is a lot of organizations lied. Uh, and a lot of organizations actually lying to the Overwatch League or about the Overwatch League meant that players themselves were not 
willing to leave their organizations because they mm, thought they they also had, had a done slots, deal. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, contenders season one. Uh, the qualifier, not season one. That was like season zero. Um, the two teams we lost to were F Energy FE, which ended up being like a top eight contender, mm-hmm. which we shouldn't have lost. Or like it was, it, it was not good that we lost, but that was actually a good loss. Like it was a good team. And then Evil Geniuses, which was also a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fun fact about Energy, because that that contender season zero performance is really what through all the like energy to go to deserves to go to Korea and all the other memes. Like that was what cemented like the demise of that squad and eventually everyone's sort of status on that team. Uh, The day before we were, okay. So we told a player, we didn't think he was a good fit. Okay. Cause he wasn't, this is a main support. Mm -hmm. Um, I think dummy was still on the team. But anyway, uh, we had an idea of who we were going to play with a projectile player, not our first choice, but whatever. Uh, We, Pulse main support players cut, and there's a main support player that we really, really liked in trials. We were doing pretty well in scrims. The day before the tournament, he was told by his organization he couldn't play. So we had to go back oh. and tell one of the players that we cut, Come hey, on man, can you, can you play for us? Right. Uh, and I don't care. Like, that was awful. Like, that, that for every individual person involved, that is completely unfair. Mm. Um, and that's something that I do regret is... I think I would have stuck by the decisions I had made a, a decent amount of them through the mistakes I've made in my career. But like, if I were more savvy about how to, I want to say politically, but act as a business person, like a little bit better at like being objective, but not as emotionally charged, I would have been sure. better at making sure that the players uh, weren't screwed over in the manner they were. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was definitely a lot of shit that I was dealing with that I absolutely shouldn't. Like, it was unfair to me. Um, but if I had been better at my job, that unfairness to me, whether it was legitimate or whether my bias is completed towards myself, like, not having made the mistake in that situation, uh, I, I would have been able to take care of them better. Um, but yeah, then, then that happens, and there's, like, a bunch of player names that I could t- tell you about. Like, Retsy was a person that I was super interested in. Carpe was actually the general manager of the team at the time and myself as the head coach both wanted Carpe. Mm. I had a different vision of how he interacts in the organization, though. Carpe recently played for Selfless and then went back to Korea. I was told that he's coming back to the USA soon. Our general manager wanted him to uh, to be on our team, but like we just had the failure to communicate a couple of times and like that we didn't pick up Carpe, which is like, what? Um, yeah. Dream Casper... Obviously, the issues with Dreamcaster, like, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is entirely inappropriate. But, like, Dreamcaster was a really good player who was locked in a contract. So we couldn't even trial him. And as soon as I was fired, if I'm not mistaken, his trial was let go because I was the only person uh, interested in him at the time. Eventually, he got picked up by Boston, uh, which is a really good pickup in terms of player skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but the a, a big issue was the, the sort of the different visions. Uh, and, and a really interesting terms of the energy situation example is and i thought this was fascinating because i disagreed with everyone and eventually that's one of the primary reasons i was fired mm. was that i think you do not need a team of six mechanical superstars to make a good team Which everyone yeah. everyone in the energy organization thought so this was even like a big thing that sefi was talking about right sefi was the person to replace me as the head coach mm. was that you bring 
and and I was told like in sports, you bring the mechanical good players, and then the head coach coaches them into a smart team. Um, so I was overstepping my bounds in a couple of ways because I was uh, before we had a general manager. It was I was trying to act as general manager, and even when we had a general manager. I definitely try to act like a general manager because I would disagree with them more. Sure. Uh, and and again, there is I'm not really going to go into the other side of things. I'm just going to say my faults here because there's a lot of not good stuff. Um, but I had such a strong disagreement in what was this very core thing. Uh, and I had a vision of like IDDQD and Hard Blue uh, were both are both great specific role players or at least at the time they would have been sure um at this point i'm such good friends with numlock that I, my opinion is like completely unbiased so don't really listen to me um but i thought numlocks would have been a, like a good main tank to have and then at the time i wanted to balance him with remix because remix is a uh numlocks was a better aggressive player better winston remix was a better reinhardt um and my opinion was that you do not need like you don't need a fucking lucio god who's mechanically amazing if if you're like you need, it's okay if your main support is not as mechanically strong. Mm. If he has a good brain and if he works with the team, um, and that was something because a we never got to build the six and b because I had such strong disagreements with the general manager with Brett and Andy who are the owners uh, with Sefi, um, like it just wasn't gonna work. And mm. and there were things that could have gone better, but like even to this day, it's like such a strong disagreement, and I don't have any resentment towards them. Like. It was a pretty legitimate reason for me to be fired. Uh, and I still stand by a lot of the sentiments I had. Um, but I like the experience I took. Like, yeah, it, it like in, in, a, in a relationship in which you have such unamicable um, differences of opinion, it's just not sustainable. Uh, and there are a couple of things like perhaps like I would keep working with the team, but like the general manager, would, you know, wouldn't. But like that was not in the cards at all. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So then I got fired from energy, which was two days after my birthday, which Aww. I definitely saw it coming, which is kind of shitty. But I yeah. also like, I like lashed out at XCC the week before. So like there is, I was stressed. I kind of saw it coming. Mm. Um, and obviously at the time it was like, holy shit, like my life is over. Like, this is so sad. And I'm like, oh, well, all right. I got paid a decent amount of money and I learned a lot from <laughs> like, whatever, dude. It's a learning experience, you know, it's a life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, would you ever would you ever pick up that hat again and and you know get into coaching or is the drive to to really give it your all in and being a player too strong i so if i had a tier list of the things i liked mm -hmm. out of like let's say four jobs sure uh playing casting coaching production mm. production is a little all-encompassing that's not that's not was that the tier list uh, like in order it would be Initially, I didn't think playing was good or like okay. I'd be good because I, I I had, okay, this is a call out to a lot of coaches. Coaches are fucking cowards. Sorry, not every coach. A lot of coaches are cowards in the sense that they don't want to try to be players even though they're really good because they're worried that they will fail. Um, mm -hmm. This is something that I did, that I was in school struggling financially alone uh, and I didn't have the time to, to, to put into playing. So I just like was coaching because it was easy. Like it's much harder to tell if you're a good coach. And like I knew about the game. I think there are people who could actually be legitimately decent players or good players who are afraid to do that and go into coaching instead. Now, I also think there are people who obviously are very, very um, phenomenal teachers. They enjoy teaching. That's something that's a passion of theirs. 
but for me, I initially started coaching or production work because I just was trying to get any job I could. Right. And was just trying to like fucking like be able to live um, and, and live in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of production and casting and coaching, maybe it's because I had some bad experiences too, but coaching was the thing I enjoyed the least. I still didn't like, I didn't dislike it. Like I actually liked it. Right. But I, I hadn't even been a coach for so long. I was trying to douse fires and, and get an actual coherent team of six. Um, and I, I would love to go back to coaching in a few years' time, but I it is not a priority of mine. Okay. And I will only really look to do it when the circumstances are right, when I can prevent situations from developing like they did in energy mm-hmm. or tempo, when it's like I... Like I'm much better at identifying early on in a relationship when it, things are like an issue. Sure. And if I ever were in a situation where I have a really uh, aligned vision with like the, the the owner of the organization, um, then yeah, like I totally wouldn't be against it. But right now, definitely not like thinking about coaching. Not really. Yeah. Okay. Don't really want to go back to. It. That's fair. Now. And this kind of ties into my, you know, the final question, you know, the future for you and, and the things that you're, um, you know, potentially maybe getting into, um, mm-hmm. casting, um, mm-hmm. not, that's not the thing, right? We'll, we'll get into that no. thing later, but when it comes to casting, uh, where exactly would you say that kind of falls on that priority list? Is that, you know, it... casting before I played was mm-hmm. absolutely the thing I enjoyed the most. Okay. Um, I am. For people who are like my really good friends, like I enjoy being uh, the center of attention and making like really like being a goofball. Sure. Like it's kind of like the Naruto complex. Okay. Where like Naruto was like a goofball because he wanted to be noticed. Now, when I was younger, it was for emotionally sadder reasons. Mm-hmm. Now it's just because I like being a troll and like I like really <laughs> love talking about games. Um, and uh before while i was still doing college for a little bit before i worked in overwatch really at all i was pretty close competitive towards working with riot games as a caster potentially mm. uh i was in like a chat group with uh, a couple of people who became casters like achilleos uh Zubedius, and i was like never at their level obviously like that was something that interested me um and I did that for Tespa for two seasons and i i love casting so much man like i still love it uh, it just wasn't something that was sustainable for me because sure. I knew that there were people that were above me in terms of like being hired for contenders or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty open about some of my opinions in ways which were like different than like I didn't really fit in with the corporate culture, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, which probably closed some doors. I wouldn't say indefinitely, but also just made it harder for me to fit in in certain situations where it's like, well, for casting, like I really enjoyed doing it, but I'm getting passed over. It's probably going to be a while. Like, And all all of these things that I'm currently not focused on all actually get accented and approved by my playing. Like if tomorrow I decide, all right, fuck it. I'm not good enough to be a player. I don't want to be a player anymore. Um, every aspect of of the other careers I've worked or the other positions I've worked in and mm-hmm. what I would want to make my career are essentially improved by my experience. But really like a hundred percent right now is playing is the end all be all like alpha and omega focus. Sure. Right at the moment. Now the future uh, is, is a very kind of scary thing. And a little, little mm-hmm. birdie told me 
that um, you have some some interesting opportunities. Um, maybe yes. maybe South Korea is in there. Yes. You know, so there is. Um, I look at my career, wannabe career, as a player. I'm looking at it in the long term. Hmm. Uh, I have accumulated a decent amount of debt at this point. <clears throat> not not like a huge amount, but there's things I could handle in like my personal life better. Sure. Um, but I'm not. Uh, uh, thankfully, uh, so this could this isn't really worth talking about here. But I, I was kicked out of my parents' home multiple times, mm-hmm. and I did not have a good relationship with them. Uh, I basically was adopted. I was an adult at the time, but I have like an uncle who is a professor at the university I went to. Um, so he's making sure that I don't die or like don't starve. Sure. Um, however, he, I mean, essentially like a parent, like he doesn't want me just to be playing fucking games 24 seven and he has no idea about this. So it's like to him, it's like, if I'm only playing, uh, that is not okay with him. Right. Um, uh, and it's not really healthy too. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're getting paid full time, that's completely okay. Um, but for me, I'm still thinking about playing long-term and like my development long-term like i actually don't want to make the overwatch league right now if i could if you gave me a contract to the overwatch league tomorrow i'd probably sign it but like i don't want to play Mm. like only as a sub because in reality maybe i don't suck maybe i'm not the worst of my position maybe i'm average maybe i'm middle tier i know for a fact i'm not high tier I know for a fact I'm not even close to the position and the skill and the experience that I want to be as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything right now that is the name of the game for me is sustainable. Like if it takes me two years to get to the level of being like a pro player that I'm comfortable playing on a big stage, like that's fine with me. Like I, I think the game has some issues that make the game less enjoyable, but I don't, I'm not putting like a huge clock on me on myself. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm considering a, basically like a student internship, like a teaching position. Uh, teaching English as a foreign language in South Korea. Yeah, I'll probably apply, although it's unlikely I make it this coming uh, session, but it's like February, August. And if I got it, um, it's part-time paid position in Korea teaching English. And I've taken a year of Korean so far in classes. I have been, uh, like I'm finishing my AA, my associate's degree next semester in college to make sure I can actually apply to the program. Mm -hmm. And that also, obviously all these things and the part-time jobs I'm working are all things that like placate my parents to like the the guardian I have to make sure that I'm not sort of going nowhere. Um, But yeah, like even if I don't make, make it to South Korea, there's so many opportunities and so many things to learn. Like I really enjoy, this is gonna sound super cheesy, but the thing about being a player is ultimately all you need to do is improve yourself and naturally mm. improving yourself is fun like when you go to the gym you get a new pr or like when you're there's there's so many things when you're like bad at talking to the, the significant gender sure uh but you get better after uh, after a while like you're gonna have a ton of rejection and you're gonna suck initially like it's a fun thing to get better and i'm not like i, I obviously have a feel of failure but not so that i'm like paralyzed and don't want to stop doing this and like uh korea itself if i it'd be interesting because if i work part-time as a teacher and continue to play overwatch and continue Mm -hmm. to develop um it'd be really interesting for me to actually get more involved in the competitive scene there because if you are able to make it in that setting which is the most disciplined the most 
ironically something I like, like a, a sort of authoritative, but also mm -hmm. the most experienced. And, and it's really tough and it's monastic and it's a little bit unhealthy in terms of work-life balance. Mm. But those are all sacrifices at this point that I want to take to be able to say, regardless of the outcome, I gave it literally everything I had. Sure. And if I make it there, um, like if I make it there, A, that'd be fucking nuts. It's my career <laughs> path anyway is like super, super weird. Uh, and then I'd be like a white guy working in the yeah. Korean Overwatch scene. Um, but if, if I, yeah, like it, it's something that people you see like really superstar players or like players that I look up to in other esports, like in StarCraft, obviously all the foreigners went there mm. or, or they had to play there, like Golden Glue, like kind of a meme, but he became much better. Yeah. Like you go to Korean boot camps. This would be like my own personal Korean boot camp. Um, and all of this, as far as being a player is concerned, if I were garbage at the game or if I were not improving very quickly, like I'd stop. Like mm -hmm. I'm not even close to where I want to be, but like I'm pretty high SR. I'm reasonably averaging 42, 4,300. My peak is just shy of 4,400. Um, I've been passed over for a couple of like contenders trials level teams. Uh, I've gotten pretty good feedback. Like I still have a lot of things to work on, but it's not like I said, all right, Seamus, you're going to go into playing this and i'm like i'm like stuck in diamond right like i i didn't go into this like i hit grandmaster before like reasonably high sr so i was like okay like with more time i can actually probably develop um and yeah it's it's a fun thing to do as long as i'm not ruining my life over this like i i have no major like relationships i don't have like, I have a lot of freedom to take stupid fucking risks as long as they're not too stupid. Right. Uh, and and that's kind of what, like, enjoying life and being, again, cliches, like, being youthful is about. Yeah. Um, if I wanted to coach 15 years from now, I could. If I wanted to play 15 years from now, probably Maybe could. not, yeah. Probably could. A little bit more difficult. Yes. Just, just a tad. I mean, that's super exciting. I, you know, I think that's anybody who gets into esports within the last like 10 years i think that's like the the the, the mecca you know is the cliche term but you know mm -hmm. I, I love the the analogy you give there to kind of new york and it's like if you can make it in new york you can make it anywhere yeah. it's the same thing with south korea if you can go there and you can at least give it your all i think that says a lot more than most people you know sitting at home grinding ladder so uh, yeah and i have a bit of an issue where i like to make things hard for myself i don't <laughs> uh it's an issue because so this is like my path like this is my sure. way i want to do things my way but it's an issue because i don't really do a lot of self-promotion i don't try to mm. ride other people's coattails and make things easier like i am so prideful which again can be a good thing in this case i'm a little bit i'm not really gonna say why but i'm a little sure, bit sure little unhealthy like i want to fucking own and i don't want to get in off of other people not having a perspective that is mm. correct like not off of nepotism i want like south korea in terms of development is leagues above the tier three two tier two scene in na or eu probably because of their own status um but it's also because of that like more of a meritocracy like i'm sure there's nepotism and there's issues and the fan base in korea is you know, crazy and stuff but like like you said yeah like if you can make it there uh, and and the experience of that would be phenomenal. And like I'm trying to get as much experience as possible. I'm a German citizen, so mm -hmm. like next year I want to apply for the or apply trial for like the German World Cup. Um, yeah, and you know that we'll see if if I even made that team, then they would be uh, a, 
would go into that wanting to perform very, very well and wanting my team to perform well. But like mm. that, even if we do not meet our expectations, that's still a huge amount of experience. And and the main focus is that I'm just trying to grind for experience right now. Mm. Uh, yeah, so not sure if I'm actually going to Korea. If I don't go to Korea, hopefully I make a contenders team in the next season or two. Um, yeah, I'm not, you know, I, the most important thing for me, because I, this is definitely something important for everyone, but for me, it's something I struggle with too, is not getting mad at like progression mm. from a date on a day to day basis. Uh, because if I look back specifically only as a player, but if I also look back just over my career in the past few years, like where I am now, uh, is super, super far away, pretty much every way from where I was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sick, but sometimes you can lose it for, you know, when you have a really bad day in solo queue or your team gets absolutely dumped in scrims. Like, it's hard to sort of rebound from that. But uh, overall, I'm typically pretty good about that. So, like, yeah, I don't need to become a pro in a year or a month or a day. I mean, it'd be cool if it's fast. And, <laughs> or at the very least, like, I'm a contenders level, so I'm not, sure. you know, just, just chilling in tier three like some people. Um, but I... Uh, I want to become as good as I possibly can, and there's really no other reason why I want to be a pro player other than like spreading the fucking like I I enjoy these games I like playing these games mm. I don't think I'm terrible at these games um, and I, so I have a lot of, like a lot excuse me I have a lot of purpose that's driving uh, as opposed to this being like a fleeting thing where sure. every week I want to have a different career which is funny because you look at my path and it's super super wild. Um, and it's something I've been told before. People are saying, like, what are you trying to do exactly? Like, just just stay in your lane. Like, doesn't seem like you know what you're doing. Mm. Uh, and to an extent, I did. I always knew what I wanted to do. I never was in a position to do it. But, mm. like, I am very, very committed in terms of what I'm going to do. And I'll come down the road eventually if I don't make it a year from now and I'm still fucking just not on a team at all and, and i'll probably be like all right well it's time to reassess um right. but right now i'm not i'm not putting only this this is this is the most important thing absolutely by far and i will spend 99 percent of my life doing it but like i'm not neglecting other things as well i'm not sacrificing sure. you know mental health or oh, whatever the fuck other things so right yeah, yeah. i enjoy it it's the path the pro itself can be improved and overwatch has a lot of issues <laughs> Um, but I also want to be part of like being a pro player means you have such a higher podium to talk about mm-hmm. things like these. And that's also a big issue for myself because I want to, like, if I were to make it, people couldn't say like, like people will disagree with me or dislike me. That's fine. Like sure. those people don't care about, but like I can say to myself and I can say overall, like I'm a fucking hard grinder and there's some, there is things I can give back to the game. Mm-hmm. So. I mean that's that's a that's a that's a that's one way to end an interview. I tell you that. I I you know I wish you the best of luck. Um, you know just to, just kind of uh, appreciating from afar. I'd say you know you know as mm-hmm. a as a young aspirant in the scene. You know just kind of mm-hmm. rising up and seeing you and and kind of watching your career uh, take some turns and you know where you're at now. It seems like you're you're in a you're in a good place. It seems like you're you you well, find. You say you say young, but I'm 24, man. I'm a well <laughs> compared to the youngins I'm playing with. <laughs> no, I'm showing you. Know. 
like you've you've done a lot um and it, and it and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like would you say this is like the the happiest you've you've been in a long time kind of figuring out what you want to do and, and really yeah. putting your nose to the grind it's i will absolutely say if i'm not in a good place like if i feel bad or have a bad day this is by far the best i've ever been able to recover from it sure uh so yeah i'd say I'm like am i happy in terms of the fact that i live in a fucking apartment making like a decent like a, a low amount of money and then i just kind of like chilling just no uh i'm not happy about that um but i'm i know what to do to get to the places i want to go and i'm not really rushing myself and i'm so yeah definitely definitely yeah happy happier than i've ever been and if i'm not happy in the moment like i'm good about moving on and just keep grinding that's awesome and again i wish you the best of luck um final words are yours as i try to you know uh at least give you the podium at the, at the last bit if there's anything you want to say any shout outs any people you want to you know thank along the way uh, i have one thing to say doomfist is a stupid hero <laughs> doomfist is a hero he, he's a hero in he, he exists which is a video game just yes. like brigitte who's also a hero <laughs> I I, uh, I think we're gonna have to probably do part two because that's like a whole nother yeah interesting dive we, into. We didn't really talk about like the game itself. <laughs> um, no, but I yeah I, I mean like there honestly there's too many shoutouts to give on like mm-hmm. a serious note uh, because again anime cliches like the the amount of people I've encountered even if I don't like them or major disagreements, disagreements with them. Like I learned, I learned, or I try to learn from everyone. Um, I mean, the big thing I'd probably just give a shout out to is uh, specifically Frank, who's like I said, my adopted uncle and is making sure that I'm, that I have, you know, that I have power right now, but also I've had some really good friends that I've played with. Um, There's a lot of players. Well, it was actually Keller and Huey who initially said way back in the day, because I rang for a block. They Mm. suggested that I should try playing because I wasn't bad at calling. Uh, and yeah, for for everyone who, even yourself, follow me, like, like before we knew each other, like your articles were like fucking cool, and I oh, and I loved man. reading them. Um, yeah, this is just this is gonna be like the circle <laughs> jerk, like everyone's that's so um, But seriously, there's there's a lot of really cool people in the scene. There's a lot of lame people in the scene too, but it's the the game itself is really cool. Like I'm, you know, imagine the don't what's the fucking Winston the Harold Doctor Harold Winston quote? It's like see the world for what it could be like. Mm, mm. Uh, it's. I appreciate the experiences and the things I've learned from pretty much everyone I've worked with. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more people. So yeah. shout outs for keeping the scene interesting and then my life interesting for sure. <laughs> That's one wholesome way to yeah. close out an interview. So we will, uh, you know, for, for myself and for, for Seamus, I will see you in the next episode and, We'll probably have you back on, to be fair. So, um, as for right uh, now, my pleasure. <laughs> I, yes, thank you very much. I appreciate you know taking the time out and and you know chewing the fat with me. But cool. uh, you know, thanks, thanks again, and uh, for all the See people out time. in viewer land, exactly. See you next time. We'll 